We can always cut that bit out if you like. Cut a whole lot of this out, to be fair. Okay. Three minutes in here. Oh, we need to cut this down a whole lot. Blimey. Well, I tell you what, for for extra speedy running time, um, this is a special Frithcast for the ninth episode. Yes. Um, Not a Frithcast special. No. But a special Frithcast for the ninth episode, uh, which is going to take the form of a story. We thought, considering the number nine has a lot of value in uh, Asatra and Heathenism, that for the ninth episode of our podcast? Podcast? Podcast. Have I got the right word? You have. Podcast. For the ninth episode of our podcast, we would look a little bit at one of my, well, my favourite one story from the, the, the big myth cycle, which is the building of the walls of Asgard. Excellent. I love this story. So, as of after the after the little tuny thing that we do, uh, I am going to uh, keep quiet and listen to Suzanne tell the story of the building of the walls of Asgard, and I might be back towards the end. Yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Listen, and I will tell you a tale. The worlds do not work on absolutes. None of it is simply black and white. There are many ways to accomplish, and sometimes the way forward is not straight. How then do I tell you of the trickster, he of cunning and cleverness, he of bold action and sly solutions? There are only a few tales of praise for him, so I tell you one now, that you may see that there is always more than one solution, always more than one way to approach a thing, and although you get results, they might not quite be what you expect. Back when the worlds were younger than today, the halls of Asgard stood proud in their lands. No wall, palisade or gatehouse stood between their tall roofs and the forests and fields, the valleys and rivers. Thor had been gone hunting giants for many days when a mason came to Asgard. He came straight to the Allfather's great hall, walked the length to the high seat and bowed low. Great Allfather, gather your kin, all the lords and ladies. I have an offer to make and all would want to hear, for it benefits all of Asgard. Soon all were gathered in the high hall to hear what the mason had to say. Honoured Aesir and Vanir all, I have an offer I want to present. Your great halls have no protection, no bank, fence or wall stands guard. Surely it is prudent to be prepared, for you know not whence your enemies may come gods and goddesses saw that he spoke the truth. I will build you a great wall, encompassing all your lands and halls, a way to keep the whole realm safe. Among my people I am a master stonemason. I can carve and craft and dress blocks. 
I know the secrets of archways and strong foundations. Such is my skill that I alone can build you this wall, and it will stand for a thousand thousand years and again. Mighty lords and ladies, what say you? All looked carefully at the mason. He stood tall, muscles corded thick, solid as a mountain himself. His words were equally crafted, certainly convincing, and those around found themselves nodding and agreeing quietly. Through the crowd stepped the Lord of Wildfire. He flicked his hair as he passed familiar faces. Wait, Master Mason, these are mighty words indeed. What price would you ask for your work? We cannot agree without knowing what the cost will be to us. The crowd of high ones quietened, awaiting an answer. The cost is a simple one. I require the sun. The gathered lords and ladies muttered and grumbled. And the moon, added the mason. The muttering and grumbling grew louder and incredulous. And... The mason called over the disquiet, holding up his hand for silence. I want the Lady Freya as my willing bride. Now there was uproar in the hall. The Lady Freya herself sucked in a huge breath and spat out her hard anger at such a request. Her fair face reddened, her hair stood on end, the amber beads of the Brisingaman threatened to break apart. The others argued amongst themselves. Those for and against stood face close and pressed their views aloud. We need a wall for protection, cried one. The cost is too high, answered another. The Allfather tried to restore order, but all were too spirited in their discussions for him to be heard. My lords and ladies, the trickster vaulted onto the high seat to plant his feet firm and stand on it, held up his hand for silence and flicked his hair. Consider this. The mason can ask his price, but we can also add to the bargain until both sides are satisfied. We want a wall and a gatehouse to protect the whole realm. The mason wants the sun and the moon and the Lady Freya as the price, but there is no limit of days. Master Mason, could you complete the whole in, say, six months? If the work is not complete, then you can demand no prize. The master mason looked at all gathered and knew that none would back down. At least, if I may have the use of my horse to drag the stone from the quarry and up the hill, he said, it is a fair offer. The lord of misrule jumped down from the high seat and stood beside the allfather. Then the lord of all spoke carefully and measured, as is his way. A wall and gatehouse you shall build complete with the use of one horse to drag the stone. You shall finish this task within the time we have set, else lose any right to claim your reward, which you agree is, as you ask, the sun and the moon and the Lady Freya to be your willing bride. The Lady Freya screamed in rage and left the hall at a run. Then we have an agreement, said the mason. I will start work in the morning at sunrise and prepare myself and my tools today. The following morning, all the gods and goddesses and high folk gathered to watch the builder arrive, 
curious as to where he would start and what he would do first. They all stood a little distance away, watching the builder as he measured and made marks, sought out a nearby quarry and began to mine stone. The high ones chattered to each other, commenting on how efficiently the mason worked or praising a hammer blow which split stone neatly and exact. The mason's stallion was a fierce thing indeed, as solid as stone itself, and when the mason hitched him to the first block and gave command to pull, the stallion led a path out of the quarry and up the hill towards the hall with little effort until the first block was pulled into place. The high ones marvelled at the size of it and were in good spirits at the prospect of a whole wall and gatehouse to protect the high realm. Within days, the master mason had pulled up more blocks and the start of the wall had begun. The path from quarry to wall was well trod, the horse doing all that was asked of him in hauling stone out and up the hill. Block after block was pulled up and the wall began to take shape. High and broad, each block precise cut fit to the next, and the gods and goddesses agreed that indeed he was a master mason. Five months passed, and the Aesir and Vanir watched the wall stretch around the borders of their lands. At the start, it was all they could talk about, how neat the work was and how sturdy, and they often took trips out together to watch the mason work. By five months gone, the wall was complete and only the gatehouse was undone. Two weeks later, and the lords and ladies could see the base of a great gatehouse, worthy of the halls of Asgard, taking shape. Two tower bases stood either side of a high doorway, and the mason continued. His horse pulled blocks from the quarry day after day, and the master mason and his horse seemed not to tire sun up to sunset. Worry crept in then, as the high ones watched both the sturdy towers go up complete and the arch begin to reach skywards. Inside the final week, the Aesir and the Vanir all met in the Allfather's high hall, concern writ on every face, worry and fear. What would the worlds do without the Lady Freya and the sun and the moon? The builder was in fine rhythm, the stone blocks all fitting so neat not a knife blade could slip between them. His horse never seemed to tire, and pulled blocks from the quarry all throughout the daylight hours, whilst the sound of the mason's hammer and chisels were a constant accompaniment. The wall was already finished, and the gatehouse nearly so, half the arch remained, and the speed and accuracy of the builder would prove that no difficult task before the deadline. In the hall their voices rose. Could they slow the builder down, else the work be finished and the sun and the moon and Lady Freya be forfeit? They were bound by the agreement, and they would have to give up those things if the builder did as promised. The discussions raged back and forth until someone said, This is the trickster's doing. He persuaded us to agree to this. Let him fix it. The crowd fell silent, and the Lord of Trickery stepped forward and flicked his hair. The All-Father said to him, You convinced us that this was the right way, and now the work is almost complete. We cannot afford to lose the sun and the moon and the Lady Freya to this common builder. You 
must fix this. The Lord of Misrule bowed, smiled a cruel smile, eyes sparkling, and said, As you ask, so shall it be. The crowd parted silently, and he left the hall, head held high, disappearing out of the doors. The Aesir and the Vanir talked long into the night with their worries, and what the trickster's plan might be. The following morning, the builder came to the quarry, leading his stallion. He heard a noise, the high neigh of a smaller horse. He watched as a dapple grey filly he had never seen before came across the meadow and flitted and flirted with his stallion, skipping sideways, flicking her mane and tail invitingly. The stallion sniffed the air, strained the traces, and with a snap they broke. The horses went prancing free, dancing four-hooved across the meadowland and away. The mason started after them, his strong legs running fast. Neither horse had interest in being caught, and stayed just out of reach for many hours until the day darkened, and the full arc of the sun was almost over. Through the following day, the mason could only work the stone that had been brought up two days before, as his stallion had returned too tired to work, and he could not afford to wait. The Aesir and the Vanir watched as the work on the great arch slowed, but did not stop. The next day was the same. The mason led his stallion to the quarry and prepared to hitch him to an angled block that he had cut the day before, but had not been able to move. As he fixed the last buckle, the master mason heard a whinny from across the meadowland, and the dapple grey filly stood there flicking her mane, calling to his stallion. The builder took firm hold of the reins, not wanting to lose his horse as he had the day before. The filly called out, and the stallion tensed beside him, straining the traces, until again they broke. A moment later and the horses were chasing each other across the meadows. The builder chased after them, his strong legs running fast, but neither horse had an interest in being caught. They stayed out of reach for many hours, until the day darkened and the full arc of the sun was almost over. The following sundown was the deadline, and the builder could only swear in frustration. The blocks were cut and ready to place, but without his horse, he could not move them. His stallion had not returned by dawn, and he could not afford to wait. He spent precious hours checking his work and finishing blocks, for without the aid of his horse he could do nothing more. The sun was almost set when the All-Father himself came to stand on the new walls of Asgard to see if the mason would make his deadline. His kith and kin stood all around, all watching the sunset and the frustration of the mason. Some stared at the unfinished gatehouse as if by watching they could stop the last blocks being laid into place. The sun touched the horizon, and the builder watched for his horse but could not see it. He watched across the meadows right to the edge of the forest. He scanned the grasslands, but his fine stallion was nowhere to be seen. The mason lifted his head high and howled his frustration. He was only a few blocks short of gaining the sun and the moon and the Lady Freya, but without his horse he couldn't finish and claim his prize. In desperation 
He wrapped his arms around a block and tried pulling it up the hill himself, but it wouldn't move an inch from the quarry floor. The sun sank below the horizon until the last direct light was gone. In the dusk light, the mason let go the block and trudged up the hill to the waiting gods and goddesses. Even the Lady Freya had come to the walls to see what would happen now the builder had failed his task. He stood away from the gatehouse and he looked upwards. The Allfather called down to him from the wall top, Master Mason, the sun has set on your last day, and I see your work is not completed. The wall is finished, but the gatehouse is not. All here can see that you have not held to your promise. What say you? I was tricked, the mason replied. My horse ran from me in the last few days and I could not fetch the stone I needed. The hole would be complete but for that. And where did your horse go, Master Mason? My fickle stallion twice ran away with the promise of a mare tempting him and I have not seen him since. Such is the way sometimes. The Allfather's one eye glinted, but you have not completed all, and so forfeit your prize. The sun, moon, and the Lady Freya remain with us. Be on your way now. By the lifeblood of my own people, I will not! And the mason ran close and made to attack the towers, thumping his great fists on the barrier, shuddering the gatehouse stone. Thor returned then and saw the new walls and saw a great man attacking the nearly finished gatehouse. He saw that the attacker was a giant. He drew his hammer clean, leapt high and struck the giant in the centre of the forehead, killing him dead. The great red-headed lord of the people stepped through the gates and cheerfully greeted his kin. I see you have been busy whilst I have been out killing giants. I look forward to hearing about it from all of you at the feast tonight. Months later, the trickster returned to the halls of Asgard. He walked the length of the Allfather's great hall, bringing a strange dapple grey foal with him. He presented himself to the high seat and bowed low. My Lord Odin, I have returned. I bring you a gift. This foal is Sleipnir. He will grow to become the fastest horse in all the nine realms. His eight legs will carry you wherever you want to go. And the trickster flicked his hair in a very familiar way. And the Allfather looked hard at the Lord of Mischief and said, Not a word.
Well, so we hope you enjoyed that uh, retelling of the building of the walls of Asgard. I'm Suzanne and you can find me on Facebook under Suzanne Martin. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next time. Bye bye.